Welcome to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a podcast about money, investing, and bringing home the bacon. Week's episode, we'll be going over three beginner steps to financial freedom, and all of which how the piggies build their house to ultimately block the big bad wolf from blowing their house down. Well, cool. That sounds like uh, a noble effort. Now, uh, how are we going to do that, Don? Create an emergency fund. We're going to pay off consumer credit debt. I like that. And we're going to save 10% or more towards financial freedom. Both sound really solid. I, I think those are excellent ideas. Those are those are great great money guidelines. Yeah. And so we can start with the the first piggy, if you will. Um, this is you know the the bare bones, the straw house. The, the your house still might get blown over, but you know it's step one of protecting yourself from the big bad wolf, and that's to start and save up an emergency fund. So realistically, I think you want to have multiple months of expenses saved of whatever your expenses are. I think the the goal is at least three, um, but it can go upwards of six to a year even, or whatever you feel comfortable with. But the goal is to start somewhere. Maybe you can't save a month's salary or a month's expenses worth. Then it could be two fifty, five hundred, a thousand. Whatever you can put away to save for a rainy day would be something you'd want to have in case there ever was a rainy day. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the short story is there's always a rainy day, right? Unless you've never had to bring your car to the shop or never had your washing machine or dryer break down or Never got a flat tire or, you know, a fender bender or, um, you know, had a, had a, an accident and had to go see a doctor or you name it. There's always something, right? Life happens. So the whole goal of an emergency fund is to acknowledge that life happens and to say, okay, given that, I need to have a little bit of cash set aside so that um, when life happens, it's not causing me to pull out a credit card or to borrow money or to figure out some other way to get out of that trouble, right? Um, right. It's interesting, though, because, you know, you were saying go from as low as, say, $500 up to as high as three to six months or even a year of salary. I think when people are talking about that big emergency fund, they're talking about the emergency being, oh, I lost my job, right? And so I need money to cover me from now until I can find a new job. So it is a maturity of emergency fund. But our I think our starting emergency fund is just mainly for that, you know, flat tire, car in the shop, AC broke down and needs a repair, those kind of things. Cause yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. A- anything is good, especially just to have something to rely on. So... Do you have an emergency fund, Don? Uh, not currently. Okay. No, I, I, I used to. I used to, but my emergency was uh, too big for my emergency okay, fund. Okay, so you, so you had to... You what, save enough. But you used your emergency fund in your emergency, so you had that going for you, right? So I did, I did, and then, and then some. <laughs> well, there you go, there you go, yeah. 
we do have an emergency fund. It's probably not funded to the degree that it's supposed to be. Um, but, you know, it's, it's mainly we try to be aware of the fact that, you know, stuff's going to happen and you're going to need to do home repair or things like that. So you need to have a little bit of uh, money set aside for that purpose. And you need to have it in a fairly accessible place, right? It could be in a CD that you have to call out early. It could be in a savings account that maybe has a better yield or even a high-yield checking account. You don't ever want to put your emergency fund in stocks because that's not an emergency fund because you don't have an assurance that the amount's going to stay the same from day to day, week to week, month to month. So it needs to be in a sort of a predictable amount. Right. And something that wouldn't wildly swing. Yeah, even a, even a bond fund uh, would potentially go up and down, and not potentially, would go up and down in value. So it's not really a great vehicle necessarily for an emergency fund, especially during a time like we're living in in 2023 with interest rates varying so much. It's just not going to be a good approach. Right. Well, that's cool. All right. Check. We've covered emergency fund. So yeah, we we built our straw house. We so. we deterred we deterred the wolf a small amount, but nothing significant. So yeah, <laughs> what's our, what's our next step to get rid of the big bad wolf? Our next step is a stick house, uh, which is eliminating our high interest rate debt uh, that doesn't secure a, a personal home, and to pay off things like credit card debt, student loans, car loans, uh, as well as potentially paying extra on your home loan. Yeah, this is one that um, honestly drives me crazy. This is, this is a big problem for a lot of folks in America today, this idea of what they call consumer credit debt, or as we probably famously know them, things like Visa and MasterCard, these credit cards that we use to buy things that we can't afford to pay for at the time that we're buying them. And it's, it's one thing to use a credit card and buy something and get the points and then pay the balance off each month. But what we're talking about is credit cards where you're letting a balance carry from month to month on the card. That's just, it's so bad for you financially because the interest rates on those cards are so high that no amount of saving or investing you do is going to compensate for how much interest you lose on a monthly balance on a credit card, right? So this, this is an insidious thing, and it's a big problem in America today, I think. Oh, it, it definitely is. I, there's a ton of people in credit card debt and who pay oosterous rates on the revolving credit line. And additionally, uh, it, it psychologically, credit cards make you spend more because it doesn't directly affect you in the moment. So psychologically, you're inclined to spend more if you're using a credit card because you're not tangibly losing your cash on hand. Um, and that it leads to overall increased spending in your life. I, I think Dave Ramsey would be proud of you at this moment, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's definitely a, 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 pre, a prevailing wisdom that the credit card sort of isolates and insulates you from that kind of event but I, I will say if you can be diligent about paying your balance off each month using a singular credit card that has no 
fee for using the card and that charges you no interest if you pay it off each month. And it also gives you like, say, bonus miles or or cashback bonuses. As long as you're paying that card every month, off every month, the card can give you a lot of convenience in terms of spending. But I think you're still correct. It, it insulates you from how that the amount of money that's really going out the door when you do that. So if you're struggling with it, if you're having trouble, step one is get rid of the credit card. Just stop using it. Put it aside. If you don't have the money, don't buy the thing. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be some exceptions, but unless it's food, clothing, or shelter, just no. The answer is no. We're not, we're not going to do it. Right. And definitely don't close the card. Just cut it in half and monitor that it's not being used by someone else. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a that's that's sort of a, a metaphorical thing, right? You you pay the card off, and you get to cut the card like in a moment of triumph and celebration of eliminating the debt. So yeah, I, that you're right. That's a it's a cool thing. Yeah. Well, well, that way you you still keep your credit line open, and in the case of a real emergency, you know it is potentially there. Obviously, you never want to have to resort to that, but I mean, again, life happens and. You always want to have a line of credit to show you're a responsible uh, person who can take on credit. So it's important to maintain longevity of credit history. Uh, so you always want to have it open, uh, just either you know paying it off every single month or you know sparingly using it, uh, carrying a low balance. I think the the true thirty percent rule is what credit is based off using. The three bureaus is what they look at as long as you're under your 30% threshold of a carrying balance. Like credit credit wise, like that's how you reach good credit. Uh, but the longer you have uh, credit, um, the better your credit is. Assuming you pay on time or under that threshold are and are a responsible user of this money that someone is willing to lend you. So just so I understand, I, I understand what you're saying about how the agencies do it, but are you saying you think it's okay to carry a balance or are you saying you think it's not a good idea to carry a balance? I would say it's not a good idea, uh, but I think the threshold for having like at least a good credit score is maintaining under 30% utilization. U ultimately, like you, your goal is to never have credit card debt. Agree, yeah, I agree. But I think it's... It is a distinction because people might make the argument, oh, well, I've, I've got good credit. I'm paying off most of my card. It's just not worth it. You need to pay off all of your card. You can, you can actually go out and take loans and things that are going to be more efficient than spending with a credit card. I mean, you can take a second mortgage on your house and the interest rates are going to be way lower than you would on a consumer credit card. It's just... It's insane how um, expensive it can be. And what's really weird is people are just willing to spend money on a credit card, but they would pause for a minute before they take out a second mortgage on their home. I'm like, right. well, I'm not suggesting you do either, but I'm telling you the first one's worse than the second one in terms of what you're going to pay in interest. So, Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, credit card debt... I. I probably should have researched how bad it is in America, but I believe it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's tremendously horrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. It's, um, I haven't seen the numbers in a while, but I know it's a problem. I, 
I signed up for a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey's course, and I, I got to sit in on one of those courses because I wanted to hear at the time more what Dave's advice was on investing. Well, since then, I've I found what Dave's recommendations on investing, and I'm not particularly a big fan of his strategy per se, but it was interesting to meet people who were in the program for different motivations that were actually struggling with credit card debt and how easily that can get away from you if you're not careful. So it is a real problem. And I, I, I can tell you, I've seen folks suffering from that problem firsthand and it is, it's not good, man. It's just not good. Yeah. And I did a quick search and uh, the average can range from 8,000 to 5,000 across the United States. That's and nuts. we're, we're 925 billion as of 2022 and, credit card debt in america that's insane that's just crazy yeah that's just dumb let's just say it that's dumb (laughs) i hate to be mean to people and i don't mean that the people are dumb but the thing they're doing is dumb and they need to stop doing it and the average apr for this credit card debt is 23 percent. 23 percent imagine if you're investing in the (laughs) stock market and you made 23 percent in a year how yeah. happy um, would you be? Yeah, imagine buying a house with a twenty-three percent interest rate on it. I mean, you know, you hate to be part of the problem, but it makes you want to go buy stock and Mastercard and Visa because holy moly, they must be printing money over there, right? So, yeah, it's nuts. So, and I don't mean to single them out. I think all the cards are the same: American Express, Discover, you name it. Uh, Irresponsible use of a credit card is not bound to a particular card company. They're all equally bad in that regard. So, Right. Their, their plan is to entrap you in debt. Their goal and plan is to entrap you in debt. Just like their rewards for most credit cards, spend 4000 in three months and we'll give you $200 back. But that's not you saving $200. That's you spending 3800 I know. And... That's just how they lure people in. I'm getting points. Points means good things, and it just most of the time is irrelevant. Well, so we, we beat this horse to death a little bit, or we beat this uh, stick house to death a little bit about credit cards. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, wolf, wolf wins still. <laughs> well, you know, the wolf's having more trouble. I'd say if you've eliminated consumer credit debt, the wolf is really kind of getting winded to come yeah, after absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, most Americans are, are definitely getting their house blown over here still. So the goal is to to hopefully build this thick house, and that that is a big part. And and then we'll get to to the real goal, which is our brick house, our brick and mortar, our our yellow brick road to our brick and mortar. <laughs> okay, are we doing Wizard of Oz jokes now or something? I just tried to think of brick things, and that's what came up. The yellow brick road. Okay, well, uh, let's let's focus on the red brick house instead of the yellow brick road this time. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and that's saving for financial freedom, uh, which is ultimately saving, hopefully, ten percent of your take home salary, uh, and or working up to that, or even saving more to ultimately not have to rely on a traditional job role for income and to live off of to 
kind of enjoy your life based on the wealth you've accumulated during your career. So that's yeah. it. Did we did we do we put the wolf down? I mean, yeah, I don't think the wolf's getting in the home anymore. Well, so. I I think what we know about wolves is that they never give up, right? They're very relentless predators, but what we're doing is we're making it super hard for the wolf to get to us, right? We've got yeah. our emergency fund that protects us from life's little bumps. We've eliminated that nasty consumer credit debt that's eroding our, our, our any hope of us building a financial freedom future. And then we're saving towards that future. And so if bad things do happen, and, and bad things are always going to happen sometimes, but it's just you're so much more insulated from that if your one less thing to worry about in that circumstance is how you're going to handle the money aspects of the problem that you're facing. So that's, um, that's awesome. That's really good stuff. Yeah. So since we are, although a little behind in terms of dropping episodes, we're recording this episode in the new year. We thought it might be fun for our bacon bits segment this week to, Talk about our, and I'm going to throw the word in bold, although I think bold is probably not a fair <laughs> adjective to use, but our bold predictions for 2023. What what things do we have a high degree of confidence that we might be right about happening? And I'm going to, I'm going to caveat this by saying, I think these things might happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to use high degree of confidence as a, as a phrase, but yeah. I, I was I was thinking about my predictions and going, uh, okay, well, maybe one of these will happen. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I concur with my predictions too. <laughs> well, I, yeah, your predictions are. Uh, you got a couple out there. We we each got three predictions. I was looking at yours. Yours may be more ambitious than mine. I think, but uh, I I will yeah. I will yield the floor to you, sir, and let you give your first bold prediction for twenty twenty three. Yeah, I think my my first big 2023, and I really think this one is happening right now and will continue to become bigger, and that's the artificial intelligence boom. I think near the end of 2022, a bunch of open source artificial intelligence kind of came to the market uh, with artificial intelligence art artificial intelligence robots that you can like speak to and interact with that are really sharp and artificial intelligent writing technology where you can talk to or interact with this AI to write an essay, a, a full fledged, you know, five page MLA essay in five minutes based on how you input a, a couple sentences and interact with it. I think it's really fascinating how it, it kind of has come up to me kind of out of nowhere. And I, I know people at work who pay for a service now to interact with AI. Like I have this in my fridge, what can I make? And it'll search the entire internet for recipe with everything they entered. And it's just interesting because I, I never even heard of it before. And all of a sudden it, it feels like it's, invading TikTok and it's invading Reddit and it's invading these big social media platforms and it just seems really prevalent. Uh whereas I don't think I really saw that 
you know, it, until, you know, a month or two ago. And, and I think that's just going to become more mainstream this year in 2023 and, and have a continued boom uh, in this sector. That's interesting. That's an interesting prediction. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think if there's a software in the planet, on the planet, in the planet, there's no software in the planet, is there? That would be confusing. If there were a software company We're on the, the planet, possibly <laughs> above the planet if SpaceX is doing something cool, but on the planet, that isn't telling some story about machine learning or artificial intelligence today, I haven't encountered them. Everybody's got a tale to tell, but the real question is, um, and, th and this is what I think is interesting, because I'm going to tell you that I think you are correct. There is a boon in AI. When you look at something as simple as lane assist or speed maintenance or automated braking on an automobile that isn't fully autonomous driving, those are AI capabilities, if you will, right? They're, they're reactive technologies. But there's this concept called, I think, and I might get this wrong, but I think it's called general AI. And it's saying, yeah, that's cool, but what if you could approximate sort of the rationale of a human being to problem solve in any context, any domain, in real time, uh, without having to be pre-trained to encounter and deal with that domain. And I think that's, that's Terminator stuff, right? That's really, really interesting stuff. And, I, and I'm wondering to me when that's going to be rising up. Because I, I agree with you. I think you're going to continue to see advancements in AI in 2023. But that's the one I think everybody's looking for is that general AI advancement. Um, and if, if, if I've learned anything from watching robot vacuum cleaners, it's that general AI is not quite here yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's a good prediction. That's uh, that's, that's I feel like that's a that's a reasonable assumption based on modern technology. Yeah, my, I think so. My first prediction is uh, more of a, a nerd finance kind of prediction. Uh, my prediction is that inflation in 2023, by the year end, will fall below four percent year over year. So. I'm betting on the Federal Reserve and their increase in interest rates finally engineering a landing. But I don't think they're going to engineer a soft landing. I think they're going to engineer, at best, a bumpy landing and, at worst, a really hard landing for the economy. But I do think that's going to put the kibosh on inflation. And we'll see year-over-year -year inflation by December having fallen below 4%. That's my prediction i don't know how bold it is i mean it has virtually zero basis in any anything other than a wild guess but um that's that's what i'm wild guessing right now i don't know i i think i i definitely see inflation uh falling below uh that with the the fed's help yeah yeah it should be an interesting year uh, for sure i i think pulling inflation back down to manageable levels would be good I think the process to get there is going to be painful, but I think it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, do you, do you let me ask you this question. Do you think there are going to be any segments of the economy that we will be resilient to um, job loss in the coming year that will 
possibly not suffer as much as other segments of the economy. Are, I, are, I are, feel yeah, like my really thought about it. Uh, my answer is so biased, but uh, uh, <laughs> grocery <laughs> uh, is seems seems to be resilient. I think Walmart is going to do really good. Um, there's just nothing cheaper than Walmart, and during how expensive everything has been, um, I just think Walmart will kind of flourish, like specifically. Um, and a lot of people are returning to in-store environments, like other than Amazon. I think like consumer spending is kind of going back um, to storefronts, even like not not to pre-pandemic levels. But um, I think you know cost-saving companies are really going to, or, or you know, frugal and you know reasonably priced products are are going to prevail. Um, and a reasonable price companies. I just think that that that's a, a side prediction of, you know, there, as the recession continues, uh, people will continue to, you know, try to reduce, you know, expense to the best of their ability. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if, yeah, I think so too. So, so my second prediction, less boring than my first, but probably equally unlikely, but what the heck? So, as we record this, you know, we live in the greater uh, Houston, Texas area here. And for my bold prediction for 2023, in the 2023-2024 football season, the Houston Texans will win at least six games coming off of, I believe, a two or, th- well, two wins and one tie season in 2021-2022-2023, so... I think this might be the the boldest prediction we have of our twenty twenty three So before you go throwing rocks in my prediction, I, I was I'm 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 a little less confident because unfortunately, as I provide this detail to you, I heard I want to say today that the head coach, after only one year, Lovey Smith has been terminated from the Texans, and I'm really disappointed about that. I thought Lovey took the job under almost unconscionable circumstances after the absolutely disastrous sunset of Bill O'Brien's stint in that role and some of the disastrous trades that he made. He left the cupboard absolutely bare. Lovey Smith and his staff put together a team out of literally thin air. And even though they didn't win a lot of games, they were definitely becoming more and more competitive with each week. And they were in a number of the games they didn't win. And I think they were on the cusp. And if they can get a quarterback like Bryce Young out of Alabama, they're really poised to do something. It kind of bothers me if another head coach is going to come in and reap the benefits of what Lovey and his staff did to rebuild that team. So although I'm disappointed in it and I'm sticking to my prediction that I think the Texans will have the talent on the field and the moxie to return to maybe not playoff caliber but they're going to put together at least six wins in a what is it 17 or 16 game season so i'm i'm pretty excited about the prospects for 2023 in texans football so go texans yeah. <laughs> I, I agree on, on go texans i do think that it'll get better i think our future is bright i think we had maybe the best trade ever on getting watson off of our team i think it, it could have never went better for us under any circumstance getting that guy out of 
Houston and away from our franchise. Such a uh, disappointment, too. I mean, he came in with such high hopes. He had such an immediate impact and so well-liked at that time. But oh, things just went yeah, really, he, really he, south, really, really fast. Right. He just, you just don't want that type of person anywhere near your home, yeah. <laughs> your org, or in your community. It's just not... Now you want, I, I don't, I can't believe, you know, there was five different teams willing to pay him guaranteed $200 million. It blows my mind. Uh, you know, the company that, or the, the Browns deserve it. I hope, uh, I hope they, <laughs> I hope they have a really bad time with him on their team. <laughs> yeah. I felt bad for old Baker Mayfield, but, um, you know, yeah. I think he landed on his feet so far, so we'll see how it goes, but. And I think there was an opportunity for it to blow up. But as we're recording this, I believe the new Oculus is out. Is that right? Or has been released? It may not be for sale yet, but new, is it the new Oculus 2 or whatever it's called? The Facebook VR uh, headset? I'm not sure. The reason I said VR is going to kind of take off is... It's rumored that Apple releases their uh, virtual reality this year. And when Apple jumps on something, for whatever reason, there's a lot of Apple enthusiasts. Or, or maybe not for whatever reason, but like people are diehard Apple fans. And if you release new tech in Apple, the diehard Apple fans buy it. Um, and usually like the tech will like start to improve. Um, I, I think Apple's just a really big player, and, and I think they're... AR headset will be a big, you know, competitor to the Oculus. Um, and again, like increase innovation in that, that area. Um, so that, that was kind of my prediction, uh, based on the rumor that Apple will release their, uh, AR headset. So, yeah. So like, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to buy the new headset from Facebook before it came out. And it's called the meta quest Pro, I believe and I'm like all the stuff I was reading about it instead of the AR black and white cameras and in, in included high resolution color cameras I mean there was just a leaps and bounds technology improvement over the, the predecessor starting at 14 so 1500 bucks yeah for goggles that do VR and I'm like right are you smoking crack right now? <laughs> See, well, and I think that's that's why I believe in Apple is because Apple will drop wheels for a Mac for $999 per wheel for the Mac. And people buy that. <laughs> yeah, well, Apple's a different story. And certainly there's been <laughs> stuff in the news lately with Tim Cook and the new Apple VR headset that's in development. But I guess for me... I, there is a game out that I think is called Zenith. And it's an yeah. MMO RPG that has a WoW-like look to it that it's a VR MMO. And it's really got great graphics. And I plan on borrowing. But having said that, I've played an MMO using a VR headset before, which to me is like the ultimate manifestation of, of, of VR, like the ability to be in an immersive world setting in a first-person perspective 
and it was cool, right? I, as I moved through the um, like the town, I would hear conversations moving by as if I was walking down the street. So all of that was really cool. But I was experiencing this standing in one spot in the middle of the living room and navigating by squeezing triggers on the handset. And so, you know, this, this, this sort of fantasy of VR being this really interactive where you're running and jumping and doing all these things is actually, well, I might as well be sitting down because just standing still for a, by a, after a half hour just standing in one spot you know, I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired of standing in one spot. I want to sit down. So it can create that immersion, but it doesn't create the immersion of motion like you would want it to. And I think that's what's, I know it sounds weird, but I think that's what's going to get in the way at the end of the day of truly feeling like you're there, if that makes any sense, right? It's it's always going to feel like, it, it might be a step past playing, like I like to play Destiny 2. It's a, it's a, like a, like a, an MMO shooter, right? But it, it's cool, but it's not super immersive because you're using a mouse and keyboard. Well, the, the VR is a step towards immersive, but it isn't fully immersive because you're probably sitting in a chair while you're playing it, right? So right. I don't know. But yes, I think that's... So is, the, is your prediction that they're going to sell more headsets than they sold last year? They're going to sell more content than they sold last year. What do you, what do you think is going to be the... How will we be able to judge that you were wrong? I mean, that you were right about this. Sorry. Freudian slip. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, there's... I'll, I think all of the above will increase, like headset sales, um, usage. Um, and I don't think it even relates to, you know, gaming 100%, like just watching videos um is among the increase in vr like vr videos um and things of that nature so i think that's just on the gonna be a, a big increase this year i think it's uh, and I, I really think apple i i think i mean if the rumors are true and i feel like everything gets leaked these days and it's usually pretty right you know along with like the the apple coming out with the the USB-C this year uh, assuming that's right based on like the EU law change. Like I think, I don't know, com competition always improves products. So I think VR uh, with, with, you know, another big company, massive tech company getting involved in the AR space, like that competition will just help develop the product and, yeah. and open up to, to new avenues. So is let me ask you this. Is there a VR game you're like, man, I can't wait to try X or I really want to do, are, are you not really in, in them? Are you personally kind of jonesing for VR. I think we'll go down in the annals of, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but could go down the annals of one of the dumbest uh, sort of strategy hey. initiatives in terms <laughs> of the way it was executed of any company. To spend Are you telling me my virtual mansion isn't going to be worth millions oh, I, in a year? Know, <laughs> I know that your generation, Don, is willing to shell out actual money for digital <laughs> things. So don't, don't act like you're not part of the problem, Don. <laughs> but having said that, if you're going to do that, you don't spend, what was it, 14 or 15, 13 billion dollars on an R&D project that amounts to virtually nothing and then ship a headset to sort of complement it that no one can afford and go, oh, we're really leaning into this strategy. 
I'm not suggesting it was a bad strategy in the in the macro sense, in the long term sense, but so poorly executed they should they should give out an award. And the fact that Sheryl Sandberg left to me leaves the blame squarely on the head of the CEO of Facebook at this point, right? Zuckerberg right. is absolutely if if I'm a shareholder, which I am not directly a shareholder for Facebook. I have never been a shareholder directly for Facebook. And I have no particular plans to become one, but never say never, right? But if I am well, a shareholder, I'm looking at Zuckerberg going, what are you thinking, dude? Yeah, I I agree. I think the metaverse is one of the funniest things. Like I, I, I don't see the vision. I never saw the vision. I thought it whenever it was first announced, it was like a joke. Um, and like an I, April I don't, Fool's joke, right? Like, uh, no, they're like not it, serious. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it really, like, I I don't know. And every development they've ever came out with is just a joke. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how how someone greenlit that and was like, yeah, this is where we should take our company. I, I'll i never know. Like, I never want to understand. Uh, well, it's like yeah. poor Mark Zuckerberg. Someone, you know, spiked his peppermint snops. And he sat in his room all night watching, you know, Ready Player One over and over again and going, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's, it's a fictional novel and we're not quite ready for prime time in our technology footprint today for that. So, but yeah, enjoy no. the stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so I'm 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 stalling. My my third uh, prediction is not as flashy or as sexy as yours. It's it's more depressing than yours. Yours are all upbeat. I, I I'm I'm gonna have to start making all upbeat predictions in future years. But as it sits right now, my predictions. I don't know that it's downbeat per se. I'm just predicting that the Standard and Poor's 500 index will end the year at or below 4,200. Currently. The S&P is tracking somewhere around, call it 3,900 and changes as we record this. Maybe a little bit yeah, below so, that. So really, as of today, you're optimistic, JJ. Because <laughs> it could be 4,199 end of year, and that's a gain. Yeah, so I'm, 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 it's, I don't think, I think we're going to see, it really depends on the Federal Reserve and how hawkish they remain in their zeal to fight interest rates. And, and I want to be clear when I say this. I mean, I say interest rates to fight inflation. I want to be clear that I think the Fed's doing the right thing. They absolutely are doing the right thing. Inflation is insidious. It, it has a, a gravity and a mass to it. And you have to nip it in the bud aggressively or it will be extremely detrimental to the long-term health of our economy. So... Fed's 100% in the right here, despite the political pressure they're going to get to ease off on the gas. Having said that, though, when you go back to the 70s and what it took to break inflation then, you're talking about really, really high interest rates, really high federal funds rates. And I think we may not have to get that high, but you're going to be looking at higher federal funds rates than 5% to break the back of inflation down to reasonable levels. And I hope the Fed has the resilience to do that. And I think it will be long-term good for the economy, but in the first six months of 2023, potentially bad for the economy. And then in the second six months of 2023, getting better for the economy. Again, I'm optimistic here, but I think the year ends on a note below 4,200. 
And where below that, I'm reluctant to predict, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'll definitely concur as well. I definitely think it'll end below 4,200. I don't really see it rebounding again uh, during you know this year, uh, unless it was really towards the end of year as like election cycles start popping up. And, oh my gosh, um, this is an election year. Oh, it, it, it no, next year's an election well, year. Next okay. year, so it's towards the end of the year. Yeah, I know, they're gonna, it always starts a year out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that that is when I think there is potential, uh, but again, it's like kicking the can down the road. Um, and and so that that is the only reason where I'd say it could maybe end above 4,200 as we enter, you know, 2024 and election year. So, but. Oh, man. Well, that's it. That's our predictions. Your bold predictions and my also predictions for 2023. We're going to have I, to revisit say... this in January and see how we did from the previous year. That might be fun to do. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping you're. I, I still think the boldest prediction is the Texans win six games. Okay, I'm hoping you're right. Don't hate the Texans fan. Don't be a hater. I, I don't think true. Hey, I'm not a hater. I'm saying I 100% want that to happen. I just think that is the craziest one out of our six. <laughs> Well, you got to try, man. You got to try. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've the Texans. I've, I've been in Houston for a number of years, the Houston area, I guess I should say. And the Texans uh, arrived here while I was here, so they've been my hometown team since they've existed. So, been a fan since they since the franchise was started. Always hoping the best for them. I think some of the early quarterbacks got a really bum rap, uh, particularly. I think it was was it Aaron Carr, the first quarterback that running for his life half the time. I mean, really struggling to get an offensive line back then. So, so many things, so many challenges this team has faced. And then the people were thrilled with the Bill O'Brien era because, oh, well, we get to the playoffs every year. But, yeah, we got beat in the first round of the playoffs every year. So, just yeah. so many things that could have been but weren't. So, I'm, I'm, I remain perennially optimistic for the hometown team. So Yeah. Do you think J.J. Watt comes back say, for a day? What's that? To retire. You think J.J. Watt comes back to the Texans for a day to retire a Texan? You know, I think that's just I, anything's possible, but I think that's just kind of, I don't know. I, to me, that's kind of like just people having some kind of fantasy about the past of the franchise. And don't get me wrong. I loved Watt and I loved what he contributed to the franchise. But at the end of the day, I'm saying let's... Uh, Let's let's honor that by moving on and, and building something even taller than what we built in the past, right? So Yeah, absolutely. But uh JJ Watt is a hero. I hope he does it. I don't know if he will. He's not Tom Brady. He didn't win seven Super Bowls for the Texans, but uh, Yeah, that's uh that's a pretty pretty high mark, man. That's um or however many Super Bowls, I don't think it's seven, seven Super Bowls. That is I don't think it is seven. I think I'm it's excited seven. Is it really? I think he won six Super Bowls with. I may be wrong in saying this. You can fact check me, but I think he won six Super Bowls with the Patriots, and then one win, one one with Tampa Bay. I think he is undisputedly the greatest professional football quarterback of all time. He's he's just the guy. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Irrespective of how you feel about him, he's 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 the goat. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully he doesn't win another this year after going eight and nine with the Bucks. But I, I'll never put him out yeah. <laughs> under any circumstance. So we'll see how this year goes. Playoffs promise to be interesting, that's for sure. So, well, Don, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I've enjoyed talking to you too, JJ. Hopefully, we educated some folks a little bit and uh, gave them some yeah. things to think about and how to how to sort of humorously think about some really great rules at Dumper Finance and. We provided our bold predictions for 2023. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. you know, for folks listening, if you if you haven't done that, I think it's a useful exercise to sit down and try to think about, well, what do I think is going to happen? Even if you come up with really dumb predictions, as I did, um, it's, <laughs> it's still, I think, useful to think about the future and to make plans because, you know, we talk about like investing in personal finance and step one to that kind of success is Think about the future. Think a lot about the future. Um, making dumb predictions is as good a place to start as any. And it's free. <laughs> right. Awesome. All right, Don. Well, until next time, I hope you have a great week and uh, keep on investing. Thanks. You too, JJ. This podcast is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. And content is for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should do your own research or consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. And as always, thanks for listening to the Piggy Bank Chronicles.